Take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to Jeremiah chapter 42. Jeremiah 42. Today we're going to learn about the importance of knowing God sincerely. Now, what's sincerely mean? Well, that means truly. It means for real and trusting and obeying him. We're going to find a group of people today who are afraid, dreadfully afraid, and they need to trust God. But when they are afraid, will they trust God? And will they trust and obey? For there's no other way. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. We look at a passage here that is actually quite obscure. It's interesting that I know a lot of people who, who have gone throughout much of their Christian life and know none of this history because it seems that we just can't wait to get to Daniel and Babylon and so we just kind of jump right over this part of the history and go on over to Daniel. But there's some things that kind of take place back in the land of Israel that are important. And here we are in Jeremiah chapter 42. Actually, the verse chapters, Jeremiah chapter 40 through chapter 44, kind of are all together. Now, you've known from before that Jeremiah is all mixed up. Well, what we're going to look at today is actually the very end of the history of Jeremiah. And you might say, well, I see a lot more chapters here in the book of Jeremiah. And you're right, there are a lot more chapters but those chapters actually record events and prophecies, um, all but the very last verse of the book, that at this point have already been dealt with, have already happened. And so these are the last events in Jeremiah's recorded life. To set the stage, Jerusalem has fallen. Nathan, can you come help me out? You can be His Majesty King Nebuchadnezzar. All right, here we have him. Right now, the most powerful king in the entire known world. All right? Now, typically, throughout history, we have these powerful, less powerful, you know, kingdoms. So who do you think is the second most powerful king at this time? Well, let me give you a little clue. To start off, it's a way down low second because he is the head of gold, and he is, like, really powerful. But there's another powerful king, not nearly as powerful as Nebuchadnezzar, but a whole lot more powerful than some of the people, other people we're going to meet today. So, Owen, can you come help me out? Um, I'll show you his crown, and you might have a guess. Anybody guess what nation this crown belongs to? Egypt, that's right. So, we have a king of Egypt. There we go. All right, so you're over here. And Nebuchadnezzar's over there. Now, we need another guy. Nebuzaradan. Who wants to be Nebuzaradan? Micaiah, come on up here. Does anybody remember who Nebuzaradan is? Uh, you are his general. You like being his general? There we go. So we got these two guys, all right? So he's the, the big, big guy, and here's his general. You're the guy who conquered Jerusalem. You're the guy who came back to Jerusalem and utterly destroyed it. You're the guy who took Jeremiah out of chains and recommended that he go back and help Gedaliah. Oh, there we got another guy. Gedaliah. Who wants to be Gedaliah? I don't see Mr. Barrows here yet. He played Gedaliah last time, so I need somebody who wants to play Gedaliah. Don't worry, you don't last long. You die pretty quick. Okay, we'll just imagine he's already dead. That's Okay, you come on up. Here's, here's Gedaliah. We'll imagine he's Gedaliah. Somebody remind me who Gedaliah was. I don't have a hat for you. You're not that incredible. Who was Gedaliah? Nathan? Exactly. He was appointed as the governor over nobody. 
Well, there were a few people, but not very many. The few people who remained. All right? Now, there's another guy whose name is Ishmael. I know somebody played Ishmael. Is, is the person who played Ishmael here today? I don't think he is. Was, was, that's right. It's, it was me. I played Ishmael. Yes. I'm one of those guerrilla warriors who don't like these guys, and I've been hanging out in Ammon for I don't know how long, but a long time, because I'm staying away from these guys. I don't like them. But then there's another guerrilla warrior we have to remember. And um, his name was Johanan. And I've got Johanan back here. Um, he's he's kind of like me, Ishmael. We, we, um, we don't like Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Ishmael, you remember, not only doesn't like Nebuchadnezzar, he doesn't like anybody who is friends with Nebuchadnezzar or Nebuzaradan. That's the reason why I, Ishmael, at a feast, at a meal, a time when you're supposed to be, uh, well, especially to these kinds of people, uh, is, a, is a celebration of peace. You would never eat a meal with your enemy. But I, Ishmael, assassinate Gedaliah over a feast. So you're dead. Now, he was of the seed royal, and so am I. That's maybe part of my motivation, Ishmael's motivation for assassinating Gedaliah, in addition to the fact we don't like them. But you know what? We don't like each other either. And this guy's got me figured out. I don't know how you knew, but you know I'm good friends with the king of Ammon. That's where I've been hanging out for I don't know how long as I've been hiding from these guys. And I've been hanging out with the king of Ammon. And um, it's a secret. Not many people know. But part of the reason why I'm also here to, and came to assassinate Gedaliah is because I'm working for the king of Ammon. Because Ammon's my friend. And this guy, Johanan, has got me figured out. And that's a problem. But you weren't around. Good thing. When I assassinated Gedaliah. Johanan wasn't there. I don't know why. He wasn't there. Remember, he's the guy who knew my plot. He's the guy who went to Gedaliah and said to Gedaliah, hey, that Ishmael, he's been hired by the king of Ammon to come kill you. He's the guy who said to Gedaliah later, secretly, give me permission. I'll go kill Ishmael. And Gedaliah says, oh, no, 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 no. You speak falsely. Remember, we had a little lesson of comment, and I'll repeat it. We need to learn from Gedaliah because there is a sense in which we need to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Gedaliah was too trusting, and he needed to be listening to things that were going on. Well, Gedaliah said no. So I don't know if that kind of made you leave, but he kind of just goes away. He disappears for a few uh, period of time from the narrative. Well, meanwhile, I'm the guy in charge. Remember, I don't like them. I've assassinated Gedaliah. And so now I'm a good patriot, right? Uh. If you look in Jeremiah chapter 41, you find out something I decide to do. Here I come, and I'm going to deliver the people from Gedaliah, this puppet governor of Nebuchadnezzar, right? That sounds like the zealot Ishmael. I'm going to deliver the people. Well, you know what's strange about a lot of people who are going to deliver people? It's happened over and 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 over in history. As soon as they deliver the people, they make the people their slaves. And that's exactly what I did. So, I hate these guys because they came in and carried away people to Babylon. They're the oppressors. So now, I'm going to be the patriot, and I'm going to assassinate, I'm going to murder the puppet governor that these guys put in charge. 
because I'm a freedom fighter. And as soon as Ishmael knocked out Gedaliah, do you know what he did? He gathered up all of the people and started to carry them away as captives to Ammon. So much for fighting for freedom. This Ishmael guy comes, assassinates Gedaliah, and then he takes all the people who are left in the land, which aren't many, and are poor, and are destitute, and he, I don't know if he used chains or not, but with 10 men, that's all the guys I've got on my side. I show up with 10 guys. 10 guys, I assassinate Gedaliah, I gather up all the remaining people, and I start to carry them away captive to Ammon. It doesn't make any sense, I know. Well, news of this spreads to guess who? Johanan. And you never did like me. He knew this was my plan. So now, he's going to be the hero. Yeah, you're a freedom fighter. Yes, we are the guerrilla freedom fighters. I'm one band, he's a different band. He is convinced I am on the side of the king of Ammon, which is true, but, well, nobody knew it until now, as I'm carrying all the people away captive to Ammon. Me and my 10 men, that's my band. I'm in charge of 10 men. Wow, I'm really powerful compared to you. Not so much. I command 10 men. That's the reason why I need all these captives. So Ishmael is carrying away these captives to the king of Ammon. Okay, we thought Nebuchadnezzar was bad. Now we've got a Jew, not only a Jew, of the seed royal. That means he's like royalty. He's like of the family of David. And he's carrying people away captive to a foreign kingdom, Ammon. You know, I told you, he got wind of that. So he comes... And the details are not given. But there's a little bit of a skirmish. Um, in the midst of all of this, I lose two guys. And I barely escape. Me and eight of my men get away from him. How many men did you have? We don't know. But there's some kind of a skirmish where he shows up as I'm carrying my captives away to Ammon. And he... Well, I don't know if there was a battle or if um, I see him and run. I don't know what happened. But any case is, is that I get away and I continue on and flee to Ammon, no longer with my 10 men, but only eight guys left. And so dis disappears Ishmael. Ishmael's gone. We don't know anything more about Ishmael except for the fact that he came from Ammon as a freedom fighter, he assassinated Gedaliah. He carried the people away captive on their way to Ammon when Jehohanan interrupted the plan, and then he brings the people back to Jerusalem. But not quite Jerusalem. I'm no longer Ishmael, okay? I'm now actually going to become Jeremiah through the rest of the lesson. But here is Jehohanan. And he brings the people back, I said, to Jerusalem, but not quite to Jerusalem. He goes a little bit further south of Jerusalem to a town you might recognize, or near a town you might recognize, and that is Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Now, in all of these events, there's been one guy who's been quiet. His name is Jeremiah. Jeremiah's been here through all of this. You remember that um, you commanded you to do whatever I want to do. And he makes the recommendation that I go back and be with Gedaliah. And presumably, Jeremiah has been with Gedaliah all this time. Maybe hiding over in the corner, you know, watching all of this going on. I don't know. But now, all of a sudden, in this narrative, he may have been one of those carried away captive. All of a sudden, Jeremiah appears because there's a problem. Gedaliah, the governor, 
whom you appointed with your authority, the most powerful king ever known up to this time in history. Okay, we've learned about pharaohs before. We've learned even about Solomon. These guys are pretty great. And the governor that you appointed in Judah, and not only did you appoint him, but you left some Chaldeans. Those are Babylonians, and not just Babylonians. They're Babylonians who are of the clan of Nebuchadnezzar. So they're Babylonians, but more specifically, they are of royal family. They're the special Chaldeans. And you have left Gedaliah with some of the royal clan of Babylon here in Judah. And Ishmael has not only assassinated Gedaliah, but he has murdered the Chaldeans that were there in Judah. Well, here now, you, you're a little band of army, Jeremiah, and all of the people whom you've graciously rescued are terrified. They're terrified. What's going to happen to us when news gets back to Nebuzaradan that we have assassinated the governor they pointed over us? The Jews have assassinated the Chaldeans put here in charge with Gedaliah. What's going to happen to us when news gets back to Nebuzaradan and his majesty, King Nebuchadnezzar? We're toast. So what are we going to do? This isn't Jeremiah talking. This is the people. Uh, We're going to go to the second most powerful guy. We're going to hang out with him. Who's he? Oh, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh. Is that a good plan? I need you all to imagine with me that you're some of those captives. You're some of those people who have just within the last few weeks survived the siege of Jerusalem. A siege of Jerusalem which has lasted for three years. You have survived. Some of you by eating as a cannibal. Some of you have barely survived. Once you did survive, all the upheaval, you get drug away by Ishmael towards Ammon, but you get rescued by this guy. He's your hero. You're also people who for your entire lives or the majority of your lives have heard Jeremiah preaching. Remember, Jeremiah has been preaching for decades. Jeremiah started off warning, warning of judgment, warning of judgment, proclaiming the people to repent. They wouldn't repent. They wouldn't repent. Time went by. Time went by. Jeremiah said, submit to Nebuchadnezzar. Submit to Nebuchadnezzar. Submit to Nebuchadnezzar. Or they wouldn't submit to Nebuchadnezzar. And here now, Nebuchadnezzar has destroyed Jerusalem. Nebuzaradan has totally demolished it, breaking down the walls, torn up the royal houses, the normal houses. That's the reason why you didn't go back to Jerusalem with the people. <laughs> There's nothing left to Jerusalem. Even when Gedaliah set up his, his, his governorship, it wasn't in Gedaliah, it wasn't in Jerusalem. It was a few miles north in Mitzvah. There's nothing left to Jerusalem. And you all have survived. And now you've survived the insanity of that patriot Ishmael. Well, I don't know what you'd call him. And now what's going to happen to you? The plan is, let's go to Egypt. But perhaps some of you or all of you, remember and see Jeremiah. 
and his scribe, Barak. You know, we focus a lot on Jeremiah, but all through these years, he's had a faithful scribe, Barak, right there with him for decades. And so we come to chapter 42 and verse 1, and it says, Then all the captains of the forces, and Johanan, the son of Korea, and Jazaniah, the son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least even unto the greatest came near. That's everybody, including your new leader. You all come with this man to Jeremiah the prophet, and you have a question. Let, we beseech thee, our supplication be accepted before thee, and pray for us unto the Lord thy God, even for all this remnant, for we are left but a few of many, as thine eyes do behold us, that the Lord thy God may shew us the way wherein we may walk, and the thing that we may do. I have heard you. Behold, I will pray unto the Lord your God according to your words. And it shall come to pass that whatsoever thing the Lord shall answer you, I will declare it unto you. I will keep nothing back from you. The Lord be a true and faithful witness between us if we do not even according to all the things for which the Lord thy God shall send thee to us. Whether it be good or whether it be evil, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send thee, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. And so the people, from the least to the greatest, Come to Jeremiah and say, we want to know, what does God want us to do? What does God want us to do? So Jeremiah goes to seek the Lord. You know, God doesn't always answer us right away. In this particular case, God didn't give an answer for 10 days. This is a pretty dire situation. Why would God wait 10 days? You know why I think God had waited 10 days? is why I think he often waits to give us answers. Because he wants us to trust him. To truly wait upon him. There's some things that are interesting in the pronouns used. Look here with me at what Jehonan and all the people said to Jeremiah in verse 2. They said, pray for us unto the Lord. Who is God? Look there. Jeremiah 42, verse 2. Pray for us unto the Lord. Who is God? Oh, Jeremiah is God. Hmm. Then look at um, verse 4. Jeremiah replies to them and says, I have heard you. Behold, I will pray unto the Lord. Who is God? Whose? Your God. Huh. Then keep on looking. Um, down in um, verse 5, the response saying that the Lord is a witness between us, that um, if we do not, even according to all the things for which the Lord, whose God? Jeremiah's God shall send thee to us. Now, they do switch and refer to him as our God as it goes by. I'm going to let you all into a little secret. This petition to find out what God wants 
is fake. It's not real. They really don't really want to know what God has to say. Even though they say, you, the Lord, be witness between all of this. And do you see what they say at the end of verse 7? We obey the voice of the Lord, our God. A little secret. They don't mean it. You see, you want Jeremiah to go to the Lord to tell you what you want to do. Newsflash, he and at least a majority of the people want to go to Egypt. And it doesn't really matter what the Lord says, they're going to go to Egypt. It's very sad. How often do we behave ourselves like this when we know what is right? In fact, I don't know why they're bothering to ask Jeremiah to pray about it because Jeremiah has already told them, settle down into the land. Submit to Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, Jeremiah has been saying this for years. 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 You should know. All of the people know. Settle in the land and submit to Nebuchadnezzar. That's the plan. You've been told it over and over and over. And don't be spiritual. Oh, pray for us. We want to know what God says so we can obey him. That's not what they want to know. They don't want to know what God has to say so they can obey him. They want God to say what they want to hear him say. And they want Jeremiah, who is the spokesman for God for decades, to say what they want him to say. I think this is another reason why God didn't give an answer for 10 days. Because they already knew what to do. Sometimes you want to shake people. You know the truth. Just obey it. Sometimes I need to shake him. Don't we all? We know the truth, but we just choose to go our own way. We just choose to do things our own way. And sometimes when we even pray, it's just a familiarity. It's just a show. It's not real. Verse 7. It came to pass after 10 days that the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah. There's the plan. But you know, I need a sidekick here because to set the scene complete, I need my scribe. Now, a while back, Mr. Bondi was my scribe, and he's not here, so I need a fill-in. Matt, can you come be the, the fill-in barrack, my scribe? Now, we're actually some, hope that doesn't bother you, we're some old men. And we have been hanging out a lot together. We, Jeremiah gets a lot of the attention. But you've been right there throughout all these decades. In fact, I think the people had seen more of him than they had seen of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was the guy in prison. Jeremiah was in the pit. This was the guy, actually. Or Jeremiah was in hiding. This was the guy who was the guy who actually went and read the scroll publicly. This is the guy who most of you know. This is the guy who has been spreading the news and the message saying, submit to Nebuchadnezzar. As I have been preaching, so really has Barak been preaching. You've had a pretty rough life. But you know, you and I, we got a special promise. In Jeremiah chapter 1, I was told that the people will fight against me. Everybody's going to fight against me. But God will be with me and God will deliver me. There was one point when I was hiding after writing a scroll and sending it to King Jehoiakim several years ago, uh, before these guys were even on the scene. And uh, you read it while I was in hiding. 
Guess what? People wanted him dead at that time too. But God made a promise to him that he would live. <laughs> Get this promise. The promise was that you will be a prey. What that means is that you'll live, but people are going to always be trying to kill you. But you're going to live. Does that sound cool? It's the way we both have. Jeremiah and Barak. And now here we are. Everything we've been preaching has come to pass. It has come to pass just as we have prophesied. Nebuchadnezzar has come. Nebuchadnezzar has destroyed Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar has carried away the people captive. Do you think you can believe when we say something? Yeah, you can. Absolutely you can. So here now on this day, 10 days after you've asked for us to pray, particularly for Jeremiah to pray, Jeremiah comes back. And he says to them, all the people, from the least to the greatest. Verse 9. Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto whom ye sent me to present your supplication before him. If ye will still abide in this land, then will I build and not pull you down. And I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I repent of the evil that I have done unto you. Be not afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom ye are afraid. Be not afraid of him, saith the Lord. For I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. And I will show mercies unto you that he may have mercy upon you and cause you to return to your own land. But, but, if ye say, we will not dwell in this land, Neither obey the voice of the Lord your God, saying, No, but we will go into the land of Egypt, where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor have hunger of bread, and there will we dwell. And now, therefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye remnant of Judah. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, if ye wholly set your faces to enter into Egypt and to go to sojourn there, then it shall come to pass that the sword, the sword which ye feared, shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. And the famine, whereof ye were afraid. Remember, remember, you're all sitting there having had a great breakfast, right? I had a good breakfast this morning too. These are people who knew famine. And Jeremiah says to them, and the famine, whereof ye were afraid, shall follow close after you there in Egypt. And there, ye shall die. So shall it be with all the men that set their faces to go into Egypt to sojourn there. They shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence, disease. And none of them shall remain or escape from the evil that I will bring upon them. 
For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as mine anger and my fury hath been poured forth upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so shall my fury be poured forth upon you when ye shall enter into Egypt, and ye shall be an excretion and an astonishment and a curse and a reproach, and ye shall see this place no more. The Lord has said concerning you, O ye remnant of Judah, go ye not into Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day. Now I see all of you out there. You're sitting back and saying, thinking, I can see it in your eyes. Well, of course we're not going to Egypt. Yeah, you don't have a decision to face. Because, see, you're not those remnant. You're not really afraid of these two guys. Put yourself in their shoes. Have you been presented a clear choice? You've been commanded by Jeremiah through the word of the Lord, stay in the land, I will plant you, I will build you up, I will be with you, I will deliver you from the man whom you fear. That's choice one. Choice two, you can go to Egypt. And in Egypt, you will die. In one of three ways by the sword, by famine, no food, or by the pestilence, disease. Now, you tell me, if you had to make this choice today, which choice would you have? To be built up, to grow, to be delivered, or to die by sword, by famine, by pestilence? The choice is easy, right? Stay and live, go, and die. I've interrupted Jeremiah's sermon because Jeremiah wasn't done. Jeremiah, he wasn't done with his sermon. Look at verse 20. Jeremiah gets real personal. For ye have dissembled in your hearts. When ye sent me unto the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us unto the Lord our God. And according to all that the Lord our God shall say, so declare unto us, and we will do it. And now, I have this day declared it unto you, Ye have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God, nor anything for the which he hath sent me unto you. Know now, therefore, know certainly that ye shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence in the place whither ye desire to go and to sojourn. Now, if I were you, or I were any of you, and just imagine you were standing there this day listening to Jeremiah give this message, you might scratch your head and say, wait a minute, Jeremiah. Do you see there, verse 20? He tells about what we all did 10 days ago. He says that we dissembled in our hearts. We're going to look more about that word dissembled this afternoon. But what it means is that the heart, had gone astray. And the heart was far away. With their lips, they acted as if they wanted to know what God had to say, but their heart didn't. Their heart had already gone astray. It had dissembled, and they had come to him. Dissembled means with a cloak of deception in their hearts. It wasn't real. This is how we know it wasn't real. And at the end of Jeremiah's sermon, he actually says it to them. So he gives them the two choices. Stay in the land, 
be planted, be built, grow, live, or go to Egypt and die by the sword, by famine, or by pestilence. He's given the choice, right? But before he even finishes his sermon, he retells them what's really going on. And the fact is that in their heart, they've gone astray. In their heart, they already desire to go to Egypt. And it doesn't really matter what God has to say about it. Jeremiah is giving him them this opportunity here, right? That's the way it looks. But he goes on to basically, well, he knows. They have already made up in their mind what they are going to do. You see in verse 21, this is really intriguing, verse 21. He says, and now have I this day declared it unto you. I have declared God's word to you. But look what he says here, but ye have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God, nor anything for the which he has sent me unto you. Now you might be saying, wait a minute, Jeremiah. You haven't even given us a chance to obey. You haven't even finished the invitation. How are we supposed to obey? <sighs> Jeremiah knows human hearts because God knows human hearts. Obedience oftentimes, I shouldn't say oftentimes, obedience is never, ever, ever about the actions. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. Did you know that you can do things exactly as mom and dad tell you to do and be blatantly disobedient? In your heart. See, disobedience is not, I mean, it, it, it does have to do with the things we do, but that's not where it starts. It starts in the heart. That's what Jeremiah knew this day when he's talking to these people. It didn't matter that he was presenting to them the word of the Lord. In fact, even the audacity of them asking for what the Lord was doing was making their rebellion even worse. Imagine how blatantly horrific it would be if you, having no intention to do what mom or dad said to do, would go to mom and dad and say, tell me, what would you want me to do? <clears throat> and your plan all along is to not do what they want you to do. That's what these, these people are doing. In their hearts, they're already in Egypt. Where are we in our hearts? That's why in Colossians chapter 3, it tells us to set our affections on things that are above. Are our hearts seated with Christ in heavenly places? Do we live in Christ in the heavenly places? Or are our hearts in the world? For all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him. This is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. These people have gone astray in their hearts. They have erred in their hearts. They have dissembled in their hearts. Their heart is already in Egypt. Well, you might hope that at this point the people remember you and I and remember that for decades we have preached to you and warned you of the things that would come with Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. All that we have said before has come to pass. We warned of the famine that would come in Egypt. We warned of all the calamity that came upon Jerusalem. We lived through it with you. The lamentations of Jeremiah. Jeremiah wept with them. You know this all came to pass. Now, here we are, again proclaiming to you the word of the Lord. How do they reply? 
Thou speakest falsely. The Lord our God hath not sent thee unto us, saying, Go not into Egypt to sojourn there. But Baruch, the son of Neriah, setteth thee on against us. For to deliver us into the hand of the Chaldeans, that they might put us to death and carry us away captives into Babylon. How does that make you feel? I feel sorry for Jeremiah and Barak. Oh. You know, this isn't anything new. This happens all the time. Oh, you're... I, so I have to be careful using illustrations from my own life. It, it's like someone coming to me and asking for advice, and I give advice as best I can from the Word of God. And on more than one occasion, you know what the answer's been? Did my parents talk to you? You're laughing. It ain't a laughing matter in the moment. It's like, did Barak talk to you? Yeah, we already know Barak. He's like a traitor. He's like in tight with those Babylonians. Be careful. Sometimes you get advice from people you don't like. And then you go get advice from somebody else who actually should be able to give you godly advice too. And because it's the same advice that you got from somebody you don't like, you, yeah, 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 say None of these people are done. <laughs> you don't actually get a word from the Lord. You've just been hanging out with that traitor, Barak. No, the truth is that Jeremiah has been hanging out with the Lord. And so has Barak. And this is the word of the Lord. But you see, here is the problem. We skipped over it. So let's go back and look at the commentary, which very likely... Jeremiah was used of the Lord to record with you writing it. Listen to the record in verse 1. And it came to pass that when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking to all of the people, all the words of the Lord their God, for which the Lord their God had sent them to them. Do you see that? It's like clear, clear, crystal clear, clear, clear. These words are the words of the Lord God. Then spake Azariah, the son of Hoshiah, and Johanan, the son of Kehiah, and all the proud men, saying to Jeremiah, Thou speakest falsely. The Lord has not sent thee to say, Go not into Egypt to sojourn there. But he did. And this is all a strategy to deliver us into the hand of the Chaldeans so that he could put us to death and so that he could carry us away. Now, this irony of what happens next just blows my mind. Do you hear what you just now said? This is a strategy that Barak has to get us all killed or carried away captive to Babylon. Look at verse 4. So Johanan, the son of Kerah, and all the captains of the forces and all the people obeyed not the voice of the Lord to dwell in the land of Judah. But Johanan, the son of Kerah, and all the captains of the forces took all the remnant of Judah that we returned from all nations, whither they had been driven to dwell in the land of Judah, even men and women and children and the king's daughters and every person that Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had left with Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and Jeremiah, the prophet, and Barak, the son of Neriah. So they came into the land of Egypt, for they obeyed not the voice of the Lord, Thus they came even to Topaz. Here he is, concerned that he's going to carry you away captive to Babylon. And so you know what he does? Well, he takes me. Now, did he use chains? I don't know. Possibly. Jeremiah, now, oh, hey, he's going to be a stubborn one. 
you not. Go tie them up. Get this now. Jeremiah gets carried away captive along with his scribe, Barak, to Egypt. Hey, nice guy, isn't he? Such a nice guy. We get carried away captive to Egypt because he and all the people will not obey the voice of the Lord. And it's interesting. Why? Oh, we could analyze the whys for a long time. There's a lot of truths in these passages. But one of the big reasons is that they're afraid of these guys. Fear leads to disobedience. Your heart gone astray, whom Jeremiah says your heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And as soon as he says who can know it, he prays, search me, O God, know my heart. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. That's a prayer you needed to pray. It's a prayer all of us need to pray. And may we trust God and obey Great God, we bow to you and give thanks for your wonderful goodness and grace, mercy, and kindness that you've shown to us. We see that offered to these people in history, but yet they rejected it. We see it offered to us today. May we not reject it, but hope in it. We need your help. Search our hearts. Try us. And may we know you better. We pray these things in your name. Amen.